I'm Lauren Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC, in which Kate and I want nothing more than to be members of the Babysitter's Club. <laughs> so we decided to start a podcast. We are lifelong fans that are rereading our way through the books. So seminal to our, our growth and development as elder millennials, and like so many of the other millennials and Xers that we know. And now this new generation, which is actually what we're talking about today, uh, because we are in the middle of our season two rewatch. We are up to episode number four, Jesse and the Super Brat. And unlike last week, which, you know, that book was taken sort of out of order, this one is right, you know, where it kind of would be in the book, um, in the book order. But like most of them, the, the plot has been changed a little bit, although this one not in massive ways, more just like modernizing it, mm-hmm. I guess. But the actual like, well, some some kind of significant a- changes, but mostly just that's very true. Modern, like for modern technology, we'll say <laughs> exactly. So actually, Kate, why don't we start there? What? How did they change it? What? What is the storyline of this particular episode? So this one, like you said, is Jesse and the Superbrat. So the story is pretty consistent with Jesse and the Super Brat the book, but basically, you know, she feels like a small fish in a big pond at her ballet school in, in Stamford. Um, and she also, you know, sort of at the beginning of the episode, she feels like she's missing out on friend time because all of her Babysitter's Club friends are doing things without her because she's busy at ballet. Um, and so she gets a regular sitting job for Derek Masters, like she did in the book, um, except in the show, he is a TikTok star, the, you know, biggest watched TikTok star under 10. Um, And so his, (laughs) so the funny thing, I guess the, one of the sort of like superfluous changes in the book, he's a super brat because he's a super brat, literally. In the show, his brand on TikTok is super brat, which we will get into why that is his name. Um, But it's just a little bit interesting that like he you know, takes that as his brand. So what else? So she spends time with him doing the babysitting. She, you know, instead of trying to go into TV, she thinks about maybe getting her own online presence and then expanding from there, getting sponsorships, et cetera. So she ends up having all these thoughts because she gets placed in the core in the winter recital at her ballet school rather than being the star like she is in the book. Um, And, you know, she her mom is not feeling her quitting ballet. Um, You know, it's a little bit different again from the book. We'll talk about it. Um, Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm like all over the place on this. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, ultimately, Jesse ends up sticking with ballet because she finds her joy. And, you know, Derek moves to L.A. because he's going to be on TV or wants to be on TV. So (laughs) that was a little sporadic, but felt a little bit weird doing this description because unlike in our past episodes, there's really no B-plot in this one. It really is just... Jesse and Derek and, you know, doing their thing. (laughs) This was really straightforward. And it was honestly, it was kind of very interior for Mm Jesse. And and like you said, some of the machinations of the the plot changed, but the actual core of the messaging was still pretty similar. Like in the Super Brat uh, book, there was a lot of emphasis on, you know, Derek wanted to be treated normally and the way that he looked at, you know, his TV gig as as just a job. And Jesse sort of got taken in by the idea of getting a manager and wanting to be famous, mm-hmm. you know, taking that away from the from the ballet. Like that that's all there. You know, like you said, finding her joy was sort of the they, they don't really get into the Danny Tanner of it the way that they kind of do in some of the other episodes. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, Jesse has that moment, but it's not really like a learning lesson. 
like you pointed out in the summary, though, the real difference is the positioning of Jesse. And that, for me, made all the difference. Mm-hmm. I really, really liked that. Because if you have listened to our Super Bat episode and, and some of the others that we've talked about this with Jesse too, is that she sometimes can have a little bit of a Mary Sue quality to her in that she is the best ballerina of, of all the ballerinas and she's such a prodigy and, you know, she's so incredible and she gets the leads all the time. And in fact, I think we mocked that pretty mercilessly mm-hmm. that like they're, they're actual Broadway stars and Jesse's like right. gets the lead. <laughs> exactly. It, whereas this, they take a much more realistic view. And I think that, it's so funny that you said um, little fish in a big pond because I, I wrote down, ooh, somebody's not happy that they're no longer the big fish mm-hmm. in a little pond. Um, and that really is – it's sort of that growing pains where she leveled up and as a result is seeing where she is in that new level. And I think that that's a really good and powerful message for kids that like – you are not going to be the best at everything mm-hmm. because if you're the best at everything, you're going to get moved into a higher level and then you're no longer going to be the best. And, and you may be able to get there again, but then guess what? Then there's another level. Like she even calls out at one point, Derek says in the city and she's like, well, Stanford, you know, so she's little fish in this big Stanford pond. But once she reaches the edge of that pond, I, I even that small little line lets you know, well, New York is even beyond that. Mm-hmm. So I really, really liked that change a lot. It kept it more, I mean, realistic, yeah. But but it also, it really informed her emotional journey with it, too. Like, her mom really puts her on blast that this is solely about her ego, mm-hmm. and I really liked that. Yeah, I really, really liked the sort of journey that Jesse goes on in this episode because it, it definitely felt like... Yeah, like little fish in a big pond. And she even says at one point, and I can't remember exactly how she says it, but she's like, did I love ballet because I was so good at it and I was the best? Or was I, you know, did I, or was it like I just enjoyed it because I enjoyed it? Like, was I the best because I loved it, Mm -hmm. essentially? So it's sort of interesting. I kind of love that there isn't that um, Danny Tanner moment, you know, in the sort of cliched way. Like, she figures it out herself. You know, she realizes watching the girl who does get the starring role in the winter recital, like, oh, you know, that's what I used to feel like. You know, she's smiling even when she's not even facing the audience. Like, she, you can just feel the joy radiating off of this girl, and it's informing the way that she's doing ballet and, the, you know, why she's so successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously she has talent. Obviously she practices. But there's that, you know, sort of je ne sais quoi that because she loves it so much that just has that extra oomph. And Jesse finally realizes, yes. like, ballet is the thing that I love, and it's not just that I was good at it. I, I am good at it. I just need to sort of reclaim <laughs> that feeling that I get doing ballet, and it'll help me be better. And, you know, she she sort of understands that maybe she's not the best right now, and maybe she'll never be the best of the best, but she loves it, and she's good at it, and she wants to keep doing it. And I, I really also, you know, to touch on what you said, you know, her mom does put her on blast. But I also love the fact that her mom is like, if you wanted to quit ballet because you you genuinely don't like ballet anymore, mm-hmm. that would be totally fine. We would totally support you. But you don't get to quit ballet just because you didn't get the starring role. Like, that's not OK. That's yes. not the right way to go about it. Like, you need to do some self-reflection, figure out what's going on. If you genuinely hate ballet, that's fine, but you're not quitting ballet because you found this other thing that this kid you're babysitting for thinks might be interesting and different and get you, you know, fame and success and the accolades that you're not getting by being in the winter recital. And I think that there's a couple of parts to that. Like, it, it is the first time 
that she hasn't gotten the role. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it could have been a completely different story if, like, she had been having to come to terms with, I'm not the best. Right. And I'm not going to progress any further. Like, there was a very clear moment in my life when I was very aware, I mean, probably around Jesse's age, maybe even a little younger, that as much as I loved theater, as much as I loved acting and singing and dancing and playing around on the stage, I was going to be doing it for love. I mm. was not going to be for lots and lots of reasons. I didn't have the talent. I didn't have the temperament. I, like, no thank you. But what I did understand, even at that age, because I let go of the career aspirations, I could just lean into the joy mm-hmm. of it, where, like, you have seen me in some really, really shitty shows over the year, <laughs> but it doesn't even matter because it's fun. Like, I don't care what the show I've, – I've been in some great ones, too, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, it's – it was just about the fun of it. And that's where Jesse really says at the in the end, you know, she said she dances the best that she has – in ages because she was like, oh, I am doing this for the fun of it. Mm -hmm. I have no pressure. I am here to just dance for the joy of dancing. And and that, I thought, was such a beautiful message. And at the same time, there always is that little bit of part of you that, you know, wants people to recognize and and think that you're awesome. So I, like, we're being a little bit hard on Jesse, but I also – totally get that especially at her age Mm -hmm. she was the best always and is now just starting to come into that you know teenage place where you realize that oh no the whole world isn't about to cater to me Mm -hmm. and you have to sort of learn learn your place within it so i really really liked that part of it that it was done with with kindness but also with a dose of reality that you know by the end, she realized she found her joy so that then she got the lead. Right. You know, it was you get to find your joy where you are. Yeah, definitely. It's She's doing it for herself. I mean, obviously, she, like you said, <laughs> there's always going to be that I want to be the best. I want to maybe get some recognition. But she's not focusing on that the way that she was originally. Like that that's going to always be in the back of her head in some way, shape or form. But like, yeah, she's doing the dancing for herself because she loves to dance like. And that's great. And I love that that was sort of the end result for, especially because as we've talked about when we talk about the show and the books too, like these are for children primarily. I mean, obviously there are little Easter eggs that are, you know, for us or callbacks to original book things that maybe kids wouldn't pick up on. But, you know, kids watching this show, that's a really, really great message. Like sometimes it's just about having fun and finding joy in the things that you love. And it's perfect. And I love it. So with that in mind, with her, you know, natural inclination to want to be seen and praised for her talent and ability, which to be very clear, we are not judging in any way. That Mm -hmm. is a human impulse. Everybody in the world wants to be appreciated for what they bring to the table. So with that being said, how did you feel about how the end played out with the Babysitter's Club? Because as we mentioned, she was feeling a little bit left out of the fun part of it, but then... Well, we'll get to the fun versus, you know, work sort of theme in a second here. But she was feeling left out of some of the Babysitter's Club stuff. But then she lies to them about what part she gets. She tells them all she gets the lead because they're going to be doing this group babysitting activity while she's doing the recital. And Marianne finds out through her mom that Jesse lied and didn't get the part. Jesse says, please don't tell anyone else. Not only am I embarrassed that I didn't get the part, I'm even more embarrassed that I lied and, mm-hmm. and you know, why you would all know that. And so Marianne, w- with good intentions, d- 
decides we should bring all the kids to the show and the recital and, you know, support Jesse and show her she's awesome. And Jesse is just genuinely excited to see them mm-hmm. there. And that was the only moment where I was like, mm, I don't know. Like, yes, she just re- rediscovered her joy and, you know, uh, she's in a really happy place right then. But I don't know that I would love, especially since she is, you know, that junior member that mm-hmm. obviously not as much as Mallory to, that we've discussed. But, you know, these are girls that she looks up to and these kids that she wants to impress and, and babysit. I, I don't know. I had very – I had mixed feelings about about that decision on Marianne's part and how it played out. It just didn't feel – it didn't ring quite as true to me. And I was wondering if you had, if that stuck out for you, if you had any thoughts about it at all. Yeah, I, I had similar feelings. I mean, I think I think the the problematic aspects of it, I think, are undercut by the fact that she's ultimately very happy and excited that they're all there. Um, so it's like it sort of sweeps under the rug the fact that Marianne just completely did not pay attention to Jesse's direct request. You know, she just completely ignores yeah. that. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm sure she'll love it. I'm sure that all the rest of the Babysitter's Club would love to see her dance. Whatever part she got, we all here for you. We're all supportive. And like, Jesse knows that they're all supportive. She knows that they would all completely understand why she told them she got the lead or, you know, why she maybe didn't invite them to come to the show in the first place. Like, they would understand. But that doesn't really mm-hmm. matter because Jesse, if Jesse wanted them to understand she could be the one to tell them and invite them and make the suggestion herself like why don't you bring these kids to see me perform instead of go to the movies i'm you know i'm sure we could work something out with carpool or you know my parents could drive them or you know maybe some parents that aren't going to this big meeting could drive them and it could be a whole thing but like the fact that it's like a surprise and she doesn't even know until she's coming out after performing And it's like this big sort of Mm -hmm. overwhelming moment. And it's I mean, it ultimately is like, thank goodness that she's in a good place and she's happy to see everyone. But like the fact that it's not even acknowledged that Marianne completely went against everything that Jesse explicitly asked her to do is a little bit troubling. (laughs) Yeah, it just takes away her agency. Mm -hmm. It just makes it feel like she didn't choose to come clean about, right. you know, where she is in this process. That sort of got forced upon her. Marianne just sort of unilaterally decided that for her. And I, yeah, I just, that was the only part of it that I just didn't love. Mm-hmm. So the other side of Jesse's whole little journey is really coming to recognize the sacrifices it takes to be the best at something. And that, you know, even famous people that, that that has an impact on them as well. You know, Derek, in the books, it's more he's he feels left out of school. But in the show, it's more he doesn't understand the concept of, of fun just for the sake of fun. Everything is about creating content. Um, and that, you know, has a lot to do with his his dad, which is different than in the book where his in the book, his parents were very chill about it. And and I really liked the that keeping that theme of it. And I, I don't know, I've kind of mixed feelings on the actual changes they made to Derek as a character, though. W- what about you? Yeah, well, yeah, I was gonna say I talking about things we didn't love so much. I didn't really love the storyline with Derek. I mean, I, I liked the storyline with Derek, but I didn't love the changes that they made. Because, um, yeah, I mean, in the books, he didn't really know how to fit in because he had been gone for a while. He was in school, he was out of school. And 
You know, his mom, though, was really focused on making sure that he was able to have a normal childhood and giving him the Mm -hmm. ability to, you know, make friends and go to normal school. And here, you know, we've got Derek's dad, you know, being a single dad, raising him. um, And the focus is on him being this TikTok star. And he's been a TikTok star, or I guess probably YouTube, because TikTok hasn't been around for, you know, five years or whatever. But he became a YouTube star as a literal baby being a super villain as a baby. So that was like the first thing that went viral. That's what the super brat branding is. And I mean, obviously Derek in the book, I think he talks about, you know, doing commercials or something as a baby, but like I felt watching this episode as compared to reading the book of the, you know, Jesse and the super brat, it felt in the book like Derek had more, Going back to what we were talking about with agency, you know, I felt like Mm -hmm. if he said, I don't want to do this anymore, his parents would be like, cool, we're going to live in Stony Brook full time. You don't have to be on that show anymore. Like you're a normal kid, whatever normal is. But but in the show, you know, he he's talking about, you know, his dad has Jesse doing, you know, TikToks while she's babysitting and, you know, wants to make sure they get in at least one every time she's babysitting. And when she doesn't, you know. Derek talks about like, oh, we were just having fun. And, you know, his dad says, you know, recording doesn't automatically make something not fun. And, you know, then, you know, the the whole reason why he and Derek and Jesse just like have fun one afternoon when she's babysitting is because he's like super stressed out and full of anxiety. And, you know, he's talking about how his views were down last month and his he overheard his dad talking to his agent or manager about the mortgage. And like, yikes, big yikes. (laughs) Oh, I fully agree about the the yikes aspect of that. But the difference is I actually liked that because I in the books, as great as their parents were, like, I, I mean, you said they would be totally fine with him quitting. Like, we almost got the impression that they they would prefer if he weren't doing this, like it, him being famous is more of a hassle, which is, you know, there are certainly some subsets of parents who would feel that way. But if we look over the history of kids in Hollywood, Derek's dad in the show version is probably a much more realistic representation of of what that show parent actually looks and acts like. And I, I called that out, too, about, you know, him being stressed about his views being down because that's going to impact the mortgage. And that is a huge yikes but I think in a really realistic way that when you are the child star, that that becomes an ecosystem in and of itself. And all of a sudden you are the one responsible for for keeping your family afloat. And as, as terrifying that as that is, I think it's also probably a good message to be sending to these kids that, that it's not all, you know, fun and games. And it's so great when everybody looks at your at your videos, but this can get really out of hand really fast and there are going to be a lot of things that you miss and you sacrifice as a res- as a result of it and even the dad well they try to claim that he like is not a bad guy he just got carried away with it but that scene with him and christy mm-hmm. was so strange i really dislike the way that the, these adults treat these literal children as other adults. Like, we, I've complained about it a couple of times now, and I get it. We want them to be mature. We love when Christy handles her business. But, like, 
she's going, excuse me, I need to take this, it's business. And then that was just a weird moment. But really, when he offered her ice cream at the end, I was like, y'all are not peers, Mm -hmm. like, complaining about, like, that conversation starts because of, like you said, he Jesse didn't do create content, just had some fun with Derek. And he says, I'm going to call your manager. (laughs) And... Um, because he had just fired one of, you know, Derek's other managers and actually legitimately treats Christy as if she were Jesse's manager and not, you know, a 13 year old. And that I I don't I don't know. I don't love that. Yeah, it's a little bit not a little bit. It's very weird because obviously Christy feels like she's mature and she's the manager of the babysitters club and she's there to, you know, fight on behalf of Jesse and say, you know, my baby, and she even says, like, my babysitters are here to babysit, not to create content or, you know, film videos or do video production or something. And it's like, yes, also, you're a child. And like, the fact yeah. that any, the fact that this parent even has to have this conversation, and we, like you said, we've talked about this on a number of episodes and a number of episodes and books, but the, the way that all of the parents in Stony Brook just like, need these girls to like give them parenting tips and advice and like here's how to be a better person and a better parent like it's a i mean it's a cool it's a show for kids it's a book series for kids like it where the girls are our main characters we love them we know them but it's also just like this is so unrealistic (laughs) you know like most of it's realistic but like the fact that these parents just like completely buy into like oh the babysitters club knows everything about everything it's like no they're they're kids like you shouldn't be coming to the babysitters club to teach you how to not be a crappy parent and like life advice Mm -hmm. like if you were a grown person taking life advice from a 13 year old something has gone fucking wrong (laughs) right like And this was, I think it was especially jarring for me in this one because so much of the theme was be a kid. Like, not everything has to, you know, don't sacrifice your childhood for views or for fame or for stardom, really. Because they're not talking about, you know, at the end of the day, Jesse's still going to sacrifice to to work at her ballet but that scene is acceptable because it's something that she loves and it's, you know, about a passion whereas – Derek is sort of looked down on because it's only for the the fame aspect of it, which Jesse gets into too. So mm-hmm. that's a kind of weird double standard. And then this whole like be a kid, be a kid, be a kid. And then there's the scene of Christy where she is being the exact opposite of a kid. Right. Like it kind of undercut that that messaging. Now, the only thing I can think of is that because this is from a this is from Jesse's perspective. Jesse is the narrator and is telling us what happened. Is that actually how that scene played out? Or is that how Jesse like envisions it? I get the show doesn't really go there, but like that's, that's just, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's sprang to mind that way. Cause we are seeing, you know, hearing this story from Jesse's perspective, but even still it was just, it was just too much. Yeah. Agreed. Well, and I think also, you know, to go to the point of like, how the Derek storyline maybe undercuts the Jesse storyline. Like, ultimately, at the end of the episode, Derek and his dad are moving to L.A. because if you want to be on TV, that's where you have to be. And so it's even more like, okay, we're pulling you even more away from, you know, quote unquote, normal life. So you can go try to be even more famous. (laughs) You know, it's like, 
Exactly. I mean, well, I think that's one of the things that's sort of interesting because in the books, you know, Derek was in school before he, you know, went to be on his TV show in L.A. and he comes back and they still have their house in Stony Brook. And, you know, in the episode, and here's a, you know, random thing I was going to touch on on the end, but it's coming up now. The triplets do exist. Surprise. Mallory says that uh, the triplets used to be friends with Derek, you know, sort of before he blew up. But the implication then is that Derek is not in school with the rest of the kids in Stony Brook, but he lives in Stony Brook. Like, and if he's moving to L.A. at the end, like, it's not like he's been in L.A. and that's why he's been away for six months, nine months, a year, whatever. He ostensibly lives in Stony Brook and he's not friends with the Pikes anymore. But why not? Does he have any friends? Is it's all he does hang out with his dad and his manager and do TikTok videos like Yikes. Another big yikes. <laughs> yeah. That is. I didn't even think about that. That's really true. Like, what do they do all day? Right. Also, can we just talk about the reality in which Stony Brook is the home of not only the largest child TikTok <laughs> star, but also <laughs> Ashley Wyeth, who is, like, in vogue and, you know, right. like, every social media influencer. They're, like, a hotbed for, for, for that. I do like the way that the, the different adults sort of interact with the social media aspect of it where, you know, Jesse's mom is somewhat indulgent of it. She talks to Marianne about how, you know, she w- would thought she was going to get discovered too when she was young and cool, but like looks at that sort of like fondly, but also doesn't take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. Whereas Derek's dad doesn't see social media as, as fun at all. It is solely a means of, making money it's it's a job mm-hmm. you know it's a means to an end side note the fact that the dad's name is chaz is just kind <laughs> of perfect that i did that i did really love yep, loved it but chaz doesn't really uh, like the the video's point isn't about having a good time to make it like there are definitely i'm on tiktok more than you are but I, there's plenty of times where you can tell the difference when somebody's actually doing something that's having a good time and mm-hmm. when they're doing it for the clout. And and very similar to like what Jesse talked about, whether whether you're doing it for love or for the wrong whether you're here for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Um to use a reality show parlance. <laughs> but it it does really um sort of highlight the ways in which the, our relationships with social media have totally just completely evolved since mm-hmm. it, it first you know, came out. And I, I think in some ways, I don't know, it's it's really easy to say that, you know, oh, kids are, you know, trying to get famous for the sake of being famous and blah, 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 blah. But like, yeah, they have an easier time of it and easier access to it. But there were those, you know, giant open casting calls and mm-hmm. Barbizon modeling school and like all that stuff existed in the 80s and early 90s as well. It's just a different mode of it. So I, I thought that they handled that aspect of it pretty well where it was, you know, not completely vilified. You know, Ashley seems to be using the platform for good things. Mm-hmm. And even even Derek's stuff is not so much mocked or like his content isn't bad. It's just the way that it's no longer about doing something because it's fun and it's about, you know, doing it for the quote-unquote wrong reasons. Right. I, I don't know. I The more I talk about it, the more mixed feelings I have. But I, I think there's some really good stuff in there. It just 
I don't know. You're right. It, there, there are parts of it that I get what they're going mm-hmm. for. It just didn't fully work, maybe. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Like, I, I really do love, like, what you pointed out. You know, some, if you want to succeed at something, you're going to have to, maybe, you, maybe not have to, but you're likely going to have sacrifice that you're going to have to make. You're going to have to have less time with your friends if you're going to focus on ballet, whatever your passion might be. If you're devoting time to something, you can't devote that time to other things. And so you have to make that choice what is more important to you. And I think that it's a really great thing to think about and, you know, theme of the episode. I just kind of hate that it's TikTok because it's not – like, I think what's frustrating me is because Jessie loves ballet. She loves her friends. She's choosing – She's actually choosing. And I think that's what's frustrating is because mm-hmm. Chaz is choosing for Derek. Derek has, like we've talked about, yes. Derek has no agency in this. He doesn't even know anything different because he's been a internet star since he was a literal baby. He doesn't, even if he had the choice at this point, this is all he knows. This is what he's used to. This he mm-hmm. And he knows that his family has no money if he doesn't do this. So it doesn't really have the same resonance. Like, he is missing out on being a kid, but it's not because he's choosing to miss out on those, you know, quote-unquote normal kid activities. It's because his dad is saying, this is your job. We're going to do content every day. It's not it, – you can have fun, but it has to be on TikTok because that's – whatever yep. you know that's what your life is for basically i mean he i would um, i would imagine that he wouldn't say it that way and i wouldn't ultimately say it that way but like that's sort of the what it boils down to is like derek i love you you're my son also you are the sole breadwinner for this family so get on the mm-hmm. the tiktok it's time to make some more content you're exactly right i think the issue is how they they ended the story like in the book, Derek is the one choosing mm-hmm. to go to this to this next level. Where Derek in the in the show is kind of a non entity for someone who's supposed to be a TikTok star. Mm-hmm. You know, those are people who are high energy and you know lots of uh, animation to them. And this kid, there was kind of nothing happening there. And I I don't know. That sounds terrible. I hate to call out a child actor, but it just. If there had been more there, there, I think it might have been more realistic or more interesting. But you're right. He does just sort of go off at the end. There is no – I think the problem is that the message is good, but they don't follow through on it. Like, mm-hmm. Derek doesn't have that moment of realizing, oh, this is what I'm giving up. I'm going to actively choose to give that up. He just sort of shrugs his shoulders and is like, that's – that's where my manager says the most right. work is. Not, right. That's oh, the next step, in- so I'm like, going to take it. Not, I really want to be on a TV show because I, you know, I, I love acting. Because that's the thing. It's like, yeah. in, the, in the book, he's on a TV show because he loves acting. You know, like, he, he started yeah. doing local theater. He started doing commercials. He really loved what he was doing. And so, you know, going to that next step, being in a movie is an exciting thing for him. But here, the way that it's framed, Derek is like, well, if you want to be on TV, you got to live in LA. And it's it's never really established that he wants to be on TV. He's just sort of absorbed yes. that he should be on TV. So that's the next step. Got to move to LA so I can get that, that you know, get that paper to quote John Ralphio. <laughs> right. <laughs> All I could think was, it would be totally different if he showed up at the end really excited because he got some role that he had right. been really working toward. Or like if Jesse had been helping him practice for auditions and maybe he was like slacking on his content 
because they were working on the next thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, more in line with, I, wow, I think I landed on what you might be struggling with with the TikTok thing because it didn't really bother me. But as like I said, as we're talking about it, part of it is, you're right, he became famous kind of by accident. Mm-hmm. There was no, he didn't work towards anything. And that's right. how really, and that's uh, not to say that, that, influencers, especially, you know, people creating TikToks or YouTube, like an actual, you know, content content. There's a lot of work that goes into Mm -hmm. it. I mean, yeah, definitely. Talk about, I mean, just this podcast, we we are actively, you know, taking time from our lives to to do the work that, that this takes. So we know, I get that. But the fact that he just didn't choose it, didn't Mm -hmm. try, didn't, there's nothing inherently special about Derek that the show shows us. Right. There is no, like, hard work on his part to say that he has earned this in any way. And I think that that kind of undercuts the message to Jesse a little bit. I think I was so focused on how Jesse internalized that message and the message that I Mm -hmm. was taking from it that I overlooked the fact that Derek really is a non-entity. And that's a little sad, I mean, especially because we know from the books that, you know, Derek is a a reoccurring character that shows Mm -hmm. up relatively frequently. And after that book, I was excited to see him again. After this episode, I don't know. I don't really have any particular desire to see him. He can go to L.A. and do what he's going to do. Right. Well, because ultimately there's not that connection, like you were saying, like – Derek felt like more of a character in the book and he and Jesse had more of a connection. And here it's like, okay, bye. <laughs> like, thanks for making me ice cream that one time. <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to move to LA now. Bye. Exactly. And like, even they made ice cream and he mentioned the mortgage and his views down, but like Jesse doesn't really respond or help right. him through that in any, in any way. So again, it got the message across to her, but she's not really helping Derek. Whereas in the book, she really gets him to open up and like finds mm-hmm. out that he didn't have a bully and that, you know, helped him through those emotional things and helped him make friends and was actually more focused on Derek than what, or at least ended up being more focused on what she could do for Derek mm-hmm. rather than what Derek could do for her. And Not only that, but, you know, Derek is more hands-on and proactive and, you know, giving her advice and, um, you know, telling her what the other ballerinas are thinking about, you Mm -hmm. know, more involved. Whereas, yeah, he he was just sort of a a non-entity. I get it. We only – we have less than a half an hour in these episodes. It's got to – you know, (laughs) something's got to give. But there was no even real B-plot. The B-plot was – literally, we've talked about the whole thing – there's a big neighborhood meeting about stop signs, which, side note, that was just just fun because uh, I I just loved that the babysitters really seemed to give a shit about that. They were the very like, excited. Yeah, finally. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. But that was it. Like, yeah. the parents were all going to the meeting, so the babysitters had to watch them together so the parents could go, and then they took them to Jesse's thing. Christy has a conversation with Chaz. Marianne has a conversation with Jesse. Mallory has a very small conversation with Jesse at the very beginning, mm-hmm. all about, you know, Jesse's plot. There's really nothing else there. Yeah. So if you're gonna sacrifice the babysitters club being a part of the plot line, maybe at least make the kid that she's babysitting an actual 
part of of Jesse's development as opposed to just sort of a catalyst. Exactly. Okay, well, I think I've talked myself into not liking this episode as much as I did. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a fine episode, but yeah, it's it's a little frustrating. But it's still Babysitter's Club, so we love it. <laughs> I was going to say, it was still really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It was really only until I started to break it down the ways that it missed the mark. I think in the way that it's intended to be viewed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it, you know. Well, totally, right. If we totally hadn't had this whole, done. you know, in-depth conversation, you would have felt great about it. So sorry for exactly. <laughs> for forcing you to have this conversation and make you enjoy this episode a little bit less in retrospect. So if we follow the theme of the of the episode, then we should just end the podcast now, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> enjoy your television. And we're show. done. So we're yeah, we're announcing right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but you know, without there being much else that was going on, I don't even really have that many like exciting random thoughts. Mm-hmm. I did just want to point out that Chaz, it was played by Noah Bean, who was on Nikita, which I really loved back in the day. And now I kind of want to do a Nikita rewatch. Did you watch (laughs) that one on the CW? I did not. I obviously knew of it, but I never got into it. It's a really fun action adventure show. Well, I say that now, not having watched it since it aired. (laughs) So maybe it holds up terribly. But what I remember is it being very fun, uh, you know, very girl powery, and Maggie Q is just mm-hmm. badass, and and Shane West is you know adorable, and Shane West, so it was fun. Also, if we're talking about who's playing which character, Derek is played by um, I don't know the name of know his name off the top of my head, but he's played by the same actor who plays Christina Applegate's younger son on Dead Like Me. No, Dead to Me, not Dead Like Me. Uh, different show, also good. Um, but different he show. obviously, I was going to say, love that show. Yeah, well, and both great shows. But he's great on Dead to Me, and so it's like clearly this kid has some range. He can be funny. He can be heartwarming. He can be sad. But they didn't. It felt like they didn't give him enough to do here. So you know, you talking about he's kind of a nothing burger. Like it's not his fault. I mean, you know, like I, I just, I feel like he just didn't have the right material to work with as that character. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. It was not a failing of him as an actor. It was the plot and the show and what was asked of him. Mm-hmm. It, it, they, the show didn't ask him to do any of those things that he's capable of because it wasn't concerned with Derek. It was concerned with Jesse. Right. And he was just sort of there for Jesse to learn something from. Well, we also have to mention that at the top of the episode, when Jesse's talking about when she started dancing, um, her mom was listening Ugh, to that, quote, really old song, Always Be My Baby. <laughs> I was like, oh, boy. Felt very much like, uh, what was that? Uh, Civil War, when <laughs> Spider-Man talks about that really old yes. movie, Empire Strikes Back. It's, how old is this kid? Yes. I mean, we know Jesse's 11. She also had Tiana pajamas so that she was dancing in, so... She's a little girl. Yeah, we I can't mean, <laughs> we can't fault her for thinking Mariah Carey is really old song. I mean, it technically is based on how old we are now. <laughs> I know that did that did kill me a little bit, mm-hmm. but I did console myself because actually that speaking of TikTok, that's a big trend right now is like Gen Z trying to trigger Zennials and Xers by doing those like song challenges and pretending not to recognize <laughs> any like super famous songs from the late 80s and early 90s. Mm. They're like, uh, like the one the they were playing Bad Reputation and the girl was like, I don't know. And I was like, mm, 
sorry, false. Britney's Jean Spears covered this on the Crossroads soundtrack, and I know all y'all grew up with that movie. So, exactly. you, like, who who are you kidding? And but it's it's solely just to trigger us, mm-hmm. basically. Like, how do you not? Know how do you this? not know? So, <laughs> exactly. So I, that line felt designed to do the exact same thing to like inspire that false outrage, and I fell for it immediately. One hundred percent. Honestly, I don't really have any other real random observations. It was kind of, like I said, it, it was just a very interior episode for for Jesse, just sort of working her shit out. And she spent a lot of time in ballet gear. So I, I can't wait to hear what, what fashion you called out. There were a couple of little things. I just have to say, I was very hard on Mallory in the last couple of episodes, but I loved her book nerd shirt uh, at the beginning of this episode. I really, really want one. Yeah, that was one of the things on my list. There really, like you said, there really wasn't a lot of fashion here. It was a lot of Jesse workout gear. Although I did appreciate, um, we've seen Jesse wear a couple of the same sweatshirts over the course of the episodes we've watched mm-hmm. so far. And I, I always love when shows do, you know, make it feel like there's an yes. actual closet that our characters are pulling from. And she's obviously the one I've noticed the most just because she doesn't wear as many disparate outfits but it's kind of nice to see those repeated sweatshirts that you know mean that she's got her rotation and coming from ballet class she's pulling out different sweatshirts so the other things i noticed um when marianne's at jesse's house she's wearing this great outfit which her mom jesse's mom even comments on as being the outfit she wore in high school it's you know like an oversized dark red maroon sweater with a you know white button down underneath over some fitted um plaid pants and then shoes that i actually had in middle school um black t-strap doc martens and i wish i still had those shoes i don't know what happened to them but i loved that she wore those stacy at the first babysitters club meeting is wearing an amazing floral dress it's like very bold colors with a black background and it's got puff sleeves and i love a floral with a black background especially when it's a big bold print like that um and then the last thing is just that at the second babysitters club meeting Basically, all of the girls are wearing these huge, not cute, and completely unflattering and, like, not in the way they're supposed to be oversized sweaters. Like, there's just so many oversized sweaters, and none of them are oversized in the right way, and it was really disappointing. Aw. I love me an oversized sweater. I'll have to go back and check that out. Oh, I love me an oversized sweater, but they were not cute oversized sweaters. That's what I'm trying to say. Such a shame when it's when it's wrong. It looks really wrong. So I'll have to go back and check that out. Yeah. I did notice the Doc Martens too, especially because it. I had that moment where I was like, man, we know that fashion is cyclical. Why didn't I hang on to all my 90s stuff? Right. <laughs> Sad face. Well, it sounds like we've maybe reached the end of our conversation. I don't know if you had any other final club business. No, why don't you just remind everybody where they can find us? Of course. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at GenerationBSC. Or if you have lots of thoughts, please feel free to email us at GenerationBSC at gmail.com. So with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to your